got to get the, the, the pedal and all the chords, mics, and your bass and all that. We got to take all that there. new you've had that I don't I don't remember it All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our annual Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Woo-hoo! Who's excited? Come on, let's all stand and we can all bring it up. How about we bring it up to the altar, amen? Because tonight, I mean, this morning, this afternoon, it's going to be a powerful time in God's presence, amen? We're asking God to just do something in our hearts, and we're expecting the Lord's presence to come upon us and go out there and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. How about we open up in prayer, we all close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the labors you brought in this, this morning, God. God, we pray that you will have your way this morning, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, be glorified and lifted high all throughout this day. We pray that souls will be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
if you believe we're free today, let me hear you shout again. Yeah. Hallelujah.
tell them today. He gave his love. What more could he
hands lifted high, can you just say, I surrender. Come on, before we leave, can we just tell them right now? Say
begin to surrender right now. Just want you to open up your lips right now. Just begin to bless the Lord. Oh, come on, just begin to surrender everything to you, Jesus. Everything to you, God. Oh, we surrender.
Jesus paid all, all to him. Sin had left crimson
on. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. Isn't God good? Also want to give it up to Rudy who made that video. He's been putting in a lot of work, not only in multimedia, but on a lot of details to get this festival together. And thanks for everyone uh, that's been working so hard. Welcome. Good to see you. My name is Pastor Jared here. Uh, I lead Chicago for Jesus right now. And uh, I just want to tell you my story a little bit before we get into the message. Um, I Before I was a Christian, I was not a Christian. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, before I was saved, I wasn't saved. I used to be a depressed, angry, agnostic. I was perverted. I was a drunkard. I was rebellious. I was a lot of things. And um, I grew up in this neighborhood right down long, about three blocks. I grew up on Oakdale Avenue, three blocks away. And I was walking down the street, minding my own business, when a group of people I didn't even know, complete strangers, walk up, walk up to me. And they begin to preach to me about Jesus. I, I was not planning on going to church. I was not a religious person. And yet these folks tell me the good news about Jesus, and they invite me to church on a Friday night. Long story short, I go to church Friday night. Then comes Saturday night. I go out with the same group, and they're on Belmont and Clark. How many know Belmont and Clark, where the freaks come out at night? Freaks come out at night. Okay, so we go to Belmont and Clark. And I'm not even saved. If half saved is, is a thing, then maybe I'm that. But I'm not even there yet. But I just, I'm, I'm feeling that stirring in my spirit. And so I want to go with these people. I want to see what they're doing. I want to see what they're talking about. And God really moves on my heart when we're out there witnessing um, in Belmont and Clark, showing the love of Jesus to the people there. And then Sunday morning, I come to a church service in this very building. And I answer an altar call. And I give my life to Jesus. And God has been very good to me ever since then. He's taken me through Bible college. He's taken me through graduate school. He's given me a wife and two wonderful sons. But I want to tell you, I don't think any of those things would be so if some strangers didn't walk up to me on the street and tell me the good news. I didn't have any Christian friends. I didn't have Christian parents. I didn't have any light in my life. I was in complete darkness. And it took strangers, people who didn't even know me, and, and back in those days, I was pretty freaky looking. I was just the way I carried myself. Like, you wouldn't want to come up to me and talk to me. And they did it because they were obedient to a command that Jesus gave to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't want to imagine what my life would have looked like these past eight years without their witness, without people going out of their way to preach to me. But it's been on my heart ever since then. I've been going out every Saturday with the church uh, from um, – being a brand new Christian, going out every Saturday, giving out hot chocolate, shaking hands, telling folks the good news in a very conversational sort of way. I began telling my classmates and co-workers and family members the good news about Jesus Christ. And it became a way of life for me. And I can't imagine life any other way. But I don't want to take for granted today that some folks, when they were born again, they were not raised, if you will, into a lifestyle of evangelism. They were not taught evangelism. They were not modeled uh, evangelism. Raise your hand if this is your first time doing anything like this, going out on the street, approaching strangers, telling them about Jesus. That's what we're doing in a nutshell. Okay, first time. How many have? Uh, how many of you have ever um, shared, at least if, if you haven't done that, have you shared the faith with friends and coworkers, things like that, what we call relationship evangelism, 
people we know, people we have a rapport with, and we talk to them. So some of you have done that. But we've seen people go years through their Christian walk, decades even, and never share the gospel with anyone, never win a soul. There's no fruit on the vine. And so I don't want to take for granted that, you know, we, we, we've all been evangelizing. We all know these things. And so I want to make it plain for you all. I want to make it elementary, if you will. How many remember elementary school? And there were times when you were taught to learn key concepts by asking questions. You know the five W's? What, who, when, where, why? You read a story, you ask those questions, and having asked those questions, you grasp the concepts better, right? We want to do that with evangelism today. We want to go to God in his word and say, God, what is evangelism? What does your word say about this practice? God, who should be evangelizing? And who should they evangelize to? And then we want to begin to ask um, Why should we evangelize? And that's perhaps the most important question of all, because you have to have a reason to do what you're doing. Otherwise, it's meaningless. And you're going to have zero motivation to put these skills into practice. And I want to fire us up today. I want to tell you our objectives just quickly. The first thing we do is we want to win souls in Humble Park. Amen. We've been coming out here 11 years. Every Puerto Rican Fest, every Father's Day weekend, we've been present. And there's been different people, and we've kind of switched up the order of things. But it's always been the same, going out there and proclaiming the gospel to the multitudes. How many have been uh, to Humble Park uh, during the Brequa Fest? Multitudes. You know there are multitudes of people there, thousands just passing through on the sidewalk in an hour. And many of them have never even heard the gospel. Many of them are perishing. They're dying in their sins. And so we go out there to tell them the life-saving gospel. We've been doing this 11 years, folks. And that's our heart. That's our, our main objective. We want divine appointments. We want people to get saved, healed, and delivered on the street. Do you believe in God with me for signs and wonders and miracles to accompany the preaching of the gospel? That's our first objective. But the second objective is this. We want to equip his church for the work of evangelism so that after today, whether it's in your everyday life or whether it's in your church, on a regular basis, evangelism will be a lifestyle. That God's word will be a fire in your bones and you cannot hold it in. And not only will you feel emboldened to preach it, you will be equipped to do it effectively. We want to equip the church. I just had had a revelation as I was praying about this message. The church is called the body of Christ. And just like you don't do anything apart from your body, Jesus does not do anything apart from his body. He always moves through his body. He always acts through his body. The church is called the bride of Christ because he loves the church and he wants to show her off. And who is the church? The church is all of you. The church is God's holy people, God's treasured possession, gathered to worship him, gathered to serve him. And that's all of you. And we want to equip you to do something that Jesus himself said was vital. I want to get right into the points of the message here. So let's look at the first W. The what. What is evangelism? 
Now, there are many ways I could have defined this to be very theologically exact. I hope this definition is very practical for you. As you see, we have uh, the notes and blog form on the screen, and they should be posted on Facebook or on our website so you can uh, follow on your phone. First thing we want to do is look at the what, the what of evangelism. What is evangelism? I have this definition here. Evangelism is preaching the message about Jesus Christ, that is the gospel, to unbelievers that they may believe in him and be saved. Very simple, right? It's basically you are talking to someone as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus. You are talking specifically to someone who is not uh, born again. They don't know Jesus. They're not Christian. And you are telling them about Jesus in such a way you want to persuade them. You want to show them how good God is. You want to show them how they need God. You want to tell them the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? And how it applies to them. You want to tell them about how to put faith in Jesus. And we're going to learn very practically how to do that with Brother Rudy in a little bit. But that's it in a nutshell. I'm having a conversation with an unbeliever about Jesus. Amen? And... Romans 1.16 puts it like this. You can see it on the screen. Everyone look at this. This is such a powerful verse, and I want this to be our declaration. So let's read this together at the count of three. One, two, three. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So when I am having a conversation about Jesus, it's more than just a conversation. The content of what I am saying, the message I am preaching, has life-giving, life-changing, life-saving power. It has the power to turn a sinner into a saint. It has a power to free someone from the kingdom of Satan and turn them to the kingdom of God. There is a spiritual transaction that takes place, and it can be in everyday conversations. It could be at Starbucks. It's surely going to happen today at Humble Park, but it can happen anywhere that we open our mouth and tell unbelievers about Jesus. So there's power for salvation for everyone who believes. So you tell them about Jesus. You persuade them about Jesus. And as their heart feels inclined, yes, I believe what you're telling me. This is true. This is right. And as they put their faith in Jesus and commit themselves to Jesus, their life is forever transformed. And I know you all can attest to that experience. You were born again when you believed in the gospel. And if you want the essence of the message, it could probably be found in John 3.16. What are we telling people about Jesus? In a nutshell is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God looked at this world we live in. God looked at seven billion plus people. God looked at the mess we've made. And God said he loved us all so much in, in spite of that. And in the midst of that, that the one thing he could do to fix our sin issues and to bring us peace with him was to give his son. And when we believe his son, Jesus, we will not perish for our sins any longer. We will not suffer the wrath of God. We will not go to hell with the devil. You believe in hell? Come on. We'll talk about that in a few, but we will not perish but have eternal life. 
And, and if you if that's all you could say to someone is John three sixteen, then that could be the essence of your message. But there's life giving power when you share it. The second thing we want to look at is who everyone say who. I don't want anyone here from uh, New Orleans, uh, Saints fans. Who that? Who that nation? Okay. Who? Who should evangelize? Is it just the spiritual elites? Is it people with titles? Is it um? Anybody heard of Billy Graham? I don't want to take that for granted. We got a lot of younger folks. Billy Graham used to fill up Madison Square Garden. We have preachers that fill up stadiums and coliseums, and, and they get invited to churches, and then they and people invite all their unsafe friends to hear this, this preacher speak at a pulpit and tell people the good news. I'm not dogging that by any means, but is, that, is, is Billy Graham the only one who should be evangelizing? Is a person called the evangelist the only person who should be evangelizing? Or a person who says, well, evangelism is my gift, is that the only person and then the person who who does says they don't have that gift or they don't have that calling? Well, I'm not going to evangelize. I don't have a title. I don't have an ordination. I don't have a degree. There's no big eyes and little use in the body of Christ. Everyone is called and commanded to be Jesus's witness. But this is the essence of the Great Commission. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It's the essence of the Great Commission. These were Jesus' marching orders to his disciples post-resurrection. So having accomplished uh, paying for our sins at the cross, beating death through his resurrection, now he ascends to the Father. But before he leaves the earth, he leaves us with these instructions. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when Jesus gave these instructions, were there churches all over the world? Were there Christians all over the world? Were there Bibles all over the world? No, no one even heard of Jesus at the time. People already had their own religions. People already had their own beliefs, their own way of life. Why do they need to hear this? And yet Jesus says, I want you to go to those people who don't even know about me. They don't believe in me. They don't follow me. They're following other religions. They're following what's right in their own eyes. But I want you to preach to them and make them disciples of mine and teach them to follow my ways. And so naturally speaking, this ministry is it is done by every true disciple of Jesus Christ. Who should evangelize? Everyone who's a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then who should they evangelize to? Everyone who's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to make them disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so evangelism is a ministry of the church that is directed to those who are outside of the church. It aims to make disciples of Christ out of those who currently do not know him. So when we have church on Sundays, we worship fellowship together. That's awesome. That's something that God wants us to do. But that's that's in-house. You get me? But there are things that the church is supposed to do outside of their meetings. They're supposed to talk to unbelievers. They're supposed to go out into the world with the message as well. That's why Jesus in another passage in Mark 16, this is another great commission passage. Once again, these are his marching orders to you and to me. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Those are our marching orders. And so Christians have a duty to reach non-Christians. That is part of what we do. That is how we grow. That is how we affect the world. And if we're not doing that, that's a sign of sickness. That's a sign that something's wrong, is it not? And so unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, that's people of other religions, Muslims. Think about that. You know any Muslim? You know anyone who's a Hindu or maybe of some Eastern religions? Does anyone know an atheist or an agnostic? Does anyone know someone who professes to be a Christian, but you know they ain't living, right? They don't show the fruit of salvation. They're just naming Jesus by name, but his, their hearts are far from him. All of those people fall in the category of unbelievers, lost people. And we need to preach the gospel to them and make disciples out of them. Amen? This includes your friends, your family, your coworkers. How many of you know you have family members, people that you live in, in your house with or people in your extended family? They don't know Jesus. People you work with, classmates, coworkers, they don't know the Lord. And so they need to hear the gospel. It must go from you to them. Next question we want to ask, and this is a two-part, it's when and where. When and where. Folks often buy into the strange myth that Christians need to keep their religion in their homes and in their churches, that pastors should not be out in public, that the gospel should not be proclaimed in public, and that's just ridiculous. The Bible does not indicate that whatsoever, and that was not the pattern that Jesus, uh, that Jesus set for us. I think I would do it justice to read from the notes at this point. In this paragraph, it says that the Bible does not place any limitations on when and where one should preach the gospel. In one parable, Jesus taught us to preach the gospel on street corners and in streets and alleys. Further, Jesus himself was known to spend more than half of his time ministering in public places to complete strangers. The Bible shows us how he actively went out seeking sinful people, such as the woman in the well in John chapter 4, and Zacchaeus the tax collector in Luke 19. In point of fact, Jesus was far more interested in ministering to irreligious people outside of religious settings than to religious people in religious settings where they often misunderstood and rejected him. Let me say that again. Jesus was far more interested in ministering to irreligious people outside of religious settings than to religious people in religious settings where they rejected him. And for this reason, he said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And he said that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The only kind of people Jesus saves are sinners. Come on, if you, if, you are, if, you, if, if you don't know the Lord and you don't have the humility to say, I'm a sinner, I've sinned against God. That's why he went to the prostitutes. That's why he went to the tax collectors. And that's why today we're going to be going out to Humble Park. Come on. Because we know that there will be many lost people there. People with all kinds of sinful lifestyles. You know, I've been seeing more and more of the rainbows. 
and more girls dressed like boys and, and, and girls half naked in general. And we're seeing people with sinful lifestyles. It doesn't make us comfortable, does it? And yet Jesus was not afraid of those kinds of people. We're going to find people of opposing beliefs and backgrounds. I've often run into uh, cults and uh, people who attack the faith, such as black Hebrew Israelites. That's another discussion. But you're going to run into people who are very argumentative, and they have a lot to say about your Jesus, and it's not good. And they have a lot to say about Christians, it's not good. But you can hear it, and you can come back with the gospel and with God's wisdom. We're not afraid of that. You're going to meet people with all kinds of painful backgrounds. Some folks will tell you their story and it will shock you. It will mess with your theology like, what in the world? How do we untangle this sin mess in this person's life? It is only through the good news. Only Jesus can forgive them of their sin. Only Jesus can give them the heart to forgive others. And so we're going to meet people. And they didn't come up in a Christian home. They didn't come up hearing this. They came up in gangs. They came up being molested. They came in broken homes. They came being taught false religion. And we need to go to them. You don't want to take for granted that if you are saved today, someone had to preach to you. And you might say, well, my parents were Christian. Well, someone had to preach to your parents. Well, my grandparents were Christian. Someone had to preach to your grandparents. And on that note, Think of how we can impact generations, how children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren can come to know the Lord and love the Lord and be blessed through our witness today. Where generations past were filled with pain and suffering and sadness and, 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 and darkness, and then generations future with the light and the blessing of God. What's the difference maker? A disciple of Jesus opening his mouth and telling them the good news. So, in summary, we got to follow Jesus' example. That's what he did. Jesus was not afraid of sinners, and neither should we be. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was not afraid of sinners, and nor should we. And after today, after we've been equipped, after we've got our feet wet, and we've at least experienced this, it's going to rock you, folks. I just promise you that. It's going to rock you. You will not be the same after today. And then after today, you will continue to evangelize regularly, whether in this church or with your churches that you're a part of. You'll continue to witness in your daily lives following the example of Jesus. In summary, evangelism can and should be practiced wherever people are. To answer the where question, wherever people are. And whenever the opportunity presents itself. Lastly, I want to tell you why, why we evangelize. Now, I could give you very practical instructions on witnessing, but I'm going to let Rudy do that. Rudy's going to give you a recipe. I'm going to give you fire to cook with. Amen. Because if you get Rudy's recipe for witnessing and you don't care about the loss, you don't care about being obedient to Jesus, you don't care about evangelism, then, then his recipe, you're not even going to use it. It's going to you know, sit in the junk drawer like, like your mom's fruitcake recipe or something like that. It's not going to go to use. But if you have a fire and a desire to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel, you'll take every bit you can get and use it. Amen? And there are folks who don't even know half of what we know, and they're out there preaching. 
because the love of God burns in them. So here's why. Here's why we evangelize. For one, evangelism is a command. I think I've begun to cover this when I discuss the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Mark 16. But to reiterate it, but to reiterate it, that when we neglect evangelism, we are simply being disobedient to the Lord. That's it. It's disobedience. Jesus said to pray. Well, I don't want to pray. What do you call that? Disobedience. Jesus said to go to church and fellowship. Well, I don't want to go to church and fellowship. What do we call that? Disobedience. And so Christians in this country, in this part of the world anyway, we're really good at having Bible studies, having prayer meetings, getting together, living holy and set apart lives even, worshiping, doing all that. And this is always that neglected component. You go to churches across the nation, there is not even anything resembling evangelism on the schedule. And so this is disobedience to Jesus to neglect evangelism. Amen. It's not a suggestion. The Great Commission is a command for us. The second thing is, uh, point B here in the notes, we must follow Jesus' example. I think this is a point we've again begun to cover, how Jesus went out in public places, how Jesus approached strangers, how Jesus approached sinners. But to drive it home, if you do not witness, you're not being Christ-like. Because that Jesus is the most normal Christian there ever was. And he witnessed, and he talks to strangers, and he cast out demons, and he healed the sick. And yeah, he was in churches, but they kicked him out half the time. And so we must be Christ-like. If you want to call yourself a Christian, which means many Christ, or if you want to call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must do as he did and preach the gospel out in the world. The third thing, point C, hell is real. Hell is real. Hell is a place of infinite suffering reserved for the devil and his angels and anyone who chooses to rebel against an infinitely worthy God. The problem is that all have sinned and gone astray from God, earning themselves this terrible judgment. The solution God has provided is the giving of his son as a sacrifice for all sins. We must now believe in his son to be saved. There is no other way to have forgiveness of sins and peace with God. We must share the gospel because it provides the only hope for our lost family and friends and the many millions in Chicago who will otherwise perish for their sins. Look at John 3.17. We read John 3.16, which is such a comforting verse. But as we read on in that passage, we find out the full scope of why Jesus came. It wasn't just to show God's love, but it was to save us from God's wrath. John 3.17 through 18 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world th through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, some folks want to mock Jesus and say, well, Jesus just sends people to hell because they don't believe in his religion, as if Jesus is just arbitrarily punishing people because they don't believe the right things. 
it, it, that is, couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus doesn't send people to hell. He saves people from hell who are already going there. Jesus came on a rescue mission. Jesus is holding out his hand to drowning sinners. He's holding out his hand to people who are hanging by a thin thread over the precipice of eternity into the abyss, into the pit of hell, to the point of no return. And he is holding out his hand to sinners. He's not cutting the rope and sending them down there like they're hanging on like the ledge and he stomps on their fingers, says, adios. But he's reaching out his hand. He's reaching out his hand. And when sinners go, it's because they have the stubborn pride to think they can pull themselves out of the pit or somehow avoid the abyss without him. But he came to save us. That's the only way anyone will be saved. That's why we preach to other religions. That's why we preach to lukewarm Christians living in sin. That's why we preach to our families, because Jesus is the only one who can save them. I was thinking about my father. He passed away in late 2013. And I preached to him at his deathbed. And I said, Dad, Jesus is the only one who can save you. He is the only one that's going to get you past this, this point of no return that you're going through. And friends, we live 70, 80 years, but eternity sure is a long time. We don't want even our worst enemies to go to hell let alone our family and friends, let alone the people we'll be seeing today in Humble Park. And it goes on in that passage in verse 36 of John chapter 3. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. When you tell your neighbors the good news and they believe it, they have eternal life. People are going to get eternal life today. When you tell your neighbors, your friends, family, coworkers, when you go out into the world and people believe your message, they will cross from death into life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And it is a fact that folks reject the gospel. They disbelieve the message when we preach it. But God forbid anyone perish, never hearing with clarity and authority the word of God through our lips, especially the people we know, especially the people we see on a daily basis on our commute. God forbid that be the case. Last, uh, uh, second to last point, and, and we'll bring it to a close. Evangelism is part of a blessed and balanced life part of the Christian life. And it, it's, it's always a sacrifice to witness. It takes your time. It takes you out of your comfort zone. I'll tell you what, I've never regretted witnessing. I've never regretted tell, sharing my faith with others, but I have regretted the times I've withheld it. Because there's people who live close-handed. They say, Jesus, I want my time. I want my money. I want my resources. Don't take me out of my comfort zone. And Jesus says to them, his word to them is in Mark 8, 35. He says, if whoever wants to save their life will lose it. You want to save your Saturday nights. You want to save your, your reputation. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. I want to bring this to a point that we can pray. So I'm going to go quickly in this last point. E here. Evangelism 
is God's plan to change the world. If we could all begin to stand and maybe, uh, Brother Brandon, if you could get on the keys, I'd appreciate that. Thank you, Lord. Jesus left his disciples with a plan to positively impact the world and spread God's kingdom through means of evangelism and discipleship. And though modern technology has afforded us many alternate ways of reaching people and affecting the culture, there is no substitute for personal evangelism. Jesus' ways are still best. And if we're tired of seeing hell on earth, if we're tired of violence, if we're tired of corruption, if we're tired of oppression and injustice, if we're tired of broken families, if we're tired of abortion, if we're tired of sex trafficking, if you name it, whatever insane thing is going on in the world today, Jesus is the answer to that. Because born-again disciples who love God and love their neighbors, they don't kill, they don't steal, they don't oppress, they don't walk out on their families, you get me? They're not perverted. Their hearts are filled with faith and love. Love for God, love for their fellow man. When Jesus saves a person, he saves them completely. They're a new creation. They're not the murderers, they're not the thieves, they're not the drunks, they're not the addicts. But friend, they got to hear that gospel. They got to hear that gospel. And they got to be made into Jesus' disciples. If we're tired of seeing hell on earth, then we must take it upon ourselves to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We want to see the world filled with born-again disciples of Jesus Christ who love God and love their neighbors as themselves. And when this is accomplished, when the church, people great and small, I'm talking about every church in this city, folks. Chicago for Jesus. Not just MPI for Jesus. It's Chicago for Jesus. Every congregation, every pastor getting in line with the Great Commission and the commands of Jesus. And sending their people out. We'll see a revolution in this city. Thank you, Lord. Everyone bow your head. Reflect for a moment on what you just learned. take just a few moments here. Lord God, I've given your word. I have laid before this group of your people, your beloved people. I, I gave them the word that explains how this is your heart, how this is a command, how this is a mandate for each of us. I've told them from your word why this is important, God. But I pray now that you pour out your spirit and fill your disciples that they may go out and preach with boldness. And in the name of Jesus, baptize your people. Say, if you speak in a heavenly language, if you speak in other tongues, I want you to speak that now. And if you have never spoken in other tongues, I just, I just feel that that's that's going to be the ingredient there. The baptism of the Holy.
Holy Spirit, long story short, as taught in the Bible, is for the purpose of winning souls. Amen? It's not for the purpose of entertainment. If you have never spoken in tongues, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, please approach this altar. Please come up. If you if you do not speak in tongues, if we could get elders and deacons, whoever is available to please come around these folks, just lift your hands as a sign of surrender, as a sign, as, as saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want whatever you have for me. I want what your father promised me. Oh, Jesus said, don't go out and preach until you've received the Holy Ghost. Oh, will be filled. Receive the promise of the father. Receive the gift of the father that he promised to all his loved children. Demetria, receive the gift prayer workers, if you could just personally instruct folks and, and kind of walk them through it, how to how to be open to God, how to be open to that utterance. Young man, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be on fire with the Holy Ghost. Be filled, Cindy, with the Holy Ghost and fire. Shinama, Koniana, Koniana. Be filled, Billy. Receive the promise of the Father. Destiny received the promise of the Father. Jonathan received the promise of the Father. Tanya received the promise of the Father. Alex received what God has promised you. God will keep his promise to give you the Holy Ghost when you ask him. Everyone, prayer workers, just walk them through that. Help them to understand what happens when they receive that new utterance. Lord, baptize your people. Baptize your people. Give us what you promised. Give us what we need. Give us what we need. Give us what we need, Lord. Give us what we need to destroy the works of darkness. Come on. Come on. You know the devil is out there. It's a spiritual fight word. It's a spiritual battle. Oh, let us avail ourselves of every weapon that God has provided in his arsenal. Our Lord is a mighty warrior. Oh, Ramamamama. Lord, use us. Use us to destroy addiction today. Use us to humble pride today. Use us, God, to minister to those who are sexually perverted and sexually molested, Lord God. Use us to unblind the minds of unbelievers. Use us to take away the deception of false religions, Lord God.
promise of the Father. Receive power from on high. Be filled, Destiny. Receive what God has for you. Sheba, Robocom, Rosanda, Rosanda. God's presence. everyone's attention, prayer workers, everyone. We have so much to do uh, this morning and this afternoon, and the Lord knows that. Amen? We're going to take what we've learned, and we're going to take what's been imparted to, to this world, to humble parts today. I want us to find our seats in that same attitude of prayer. If you are praying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and you didn't receive it, Man, keep going. Every altar call, every every time you pray, keep asking God to fill you. He filled me in my bedroom. The Holy Ghost baptized me in my bedroom when I was praying and asking for it. He'll do the same for you. Don't don't worry about it. No condo bondo. Come on. All right. If I could get Rudy, uh, we're gonna do some training right now. We're gonna. We went through the the what, the what, the yes. We're gonna do training. We went through the what, the the who, the when, the where, the why. Now we're gonna do the how. So let's welcome up brother Rudy, a deacon and a on fire man of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can I get one of those papers, Christian, before uh, I start? Oh, how's everybody doing? Come on, you guys are good. You guys got prayed for. You guys. We're in a time of prayer, hearing instructions from God, and hearing the amazing word on the five W's of evangelism. Now, we're going to get into the practical side, the practical instructions. And, dude, let me, just, let me just share my heart because this time of year, the Puerto Rican festival is better than Christmas to me. It's better than, it's better than uh, Thanksgiving, even though Thanksgiving is, is great. You get filled up with turkey. But today, you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit because literally, I've been on the streets of Chicago. We have some brothers here that have been. Thank you very much. And when you're there on the streets, God really fills you up. And you'll start to say things that you're like, what? I didn't even know that. You'll start to remember Bible scripture that you read like five months ago. God is speaking through you. And it's just an awesome time to be able to receive from God, receive some supernatural um, wisdom for people today. So you guys are ready to get into this instruction? All right. So as you guys are receiving, some of you are getting the papers passed out. Um, What you're receiving right now is... Just three big things I want to touch on before we head to the streets. Um, some of you never been to our Puerto Rican festival outreach. Some of you have. And we're, some, we're doing some things a little different this year, as every year we have something different. So I'm giving you guys this so you can follow along. You can write little notes like this is what I want to remember, whatever. There's a couple of Bible scriptures in here that if you have a Bible, you can put a little tab so that as you're witnessing to people, you could be like, look, it says it right here in God's word. And we're going to get to those in a second. That's in point number two, evangelism strategies. All right. So as everybody's getting one, I'm going to go ahead and start. Can I get a church flyer, please? And make sure everybody has a church flyer, too. Thanks, Molly. 
All right. So the first things I want to touch on is the MPI church flyer. Everybody is going to receive one today a lot because we're going to be giving them out. Most of them are already on their way to Humble Park, so you're going to have a table full of flyers and life books that you guys will be able to use. Whenever your team is running out, just be like, we're going to go grab some more. It's like ammunition, right? You run out of ammunition, you got to get more ammo for to start spraying people with the gospel, right? All right, so everybody hold up their church flyer. All right, everybody got one. All right, so if you look on the front, it has um, some information. It has the times of our service, right? It has the uh, information on our youth. It has the address to the church, and it has the website. So the services, we want this to be really important because when you evangelize the people, you witness the people, they're like, yeah, I want Jesus. You don't want to leave them. Okay, bye. You have Jesus. You want to invite them to church, right? You want them to have a home to go to, somewhere where they can hear the word every week, somewhere where they can build a relationship like a family with people, right? So do not forget to mention the 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. services um, for Sundays that we have here at MPI. It's really important to plug them in, get them involved in MPI so they can have a church to go to, right? And I know it's really hard to see. Right under 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., we have the Youth Fridays at 7 p.m. So you're going to use this as soon as you see younger kids, you know, ages 11 to 18. Or if you see families, be like, hey, come check out our youth service every Friday at 7 p.m. We, we want to definitely emphasize that it's exciting. It's, it's not like a boring church service that you would know as a Catholic church. You know, it's like, you know, it's not like that. We bump it. We get lit for Jesus. If they know what lit means, tell them we get lit for Jesus, right? All right. Of course, the address to the church you have there, 5405 West Diversity. Just say it's on the uh, near west side of Chicago. Um, not too far. It's a bus ride away from most people. Now, the MPI Church, um, if they're interested in learning more about the church or learning about what we do or our beliefs, you can tell them to go to MPI Church. There's tons of resources on the website. There's blogs. There's, there's different ministries that we do. There's books they can buy. There's Chicago for Jesus shirts they could buy. Literally, our website is like a one-stop shop for everything. Uh, not just shop, but of course, one-stop location for everything about our church. The, the ministries we have, the shirts, everything, okay? Everybody got that? Now you flip the card and we have some help for you guys, okay? This is our tool to help you witness, you know? So um, this really helps you if you're evangelizing tonight. You'll know how to talk to people because it has three steps and it's pretty pretty simple, especially if you don't know how to preach. The more you go through this card, the more comfortable you're going to be approaching people and telling people about being born again. Come on, everybody say, be born again. Practice, because that's what you're going to tell people today, okay? So, the first point on the top of the card, in the first red line, what does it mean to be born again? So, the back of the card acts as a gospel. It tells about why someone needs to be born again, what it means to be born again, and, and the purpose of it. So the first one, it means to receive a new spiritual life from God, right? And you want to tell people, yes, this is required if you want to go to heaven. The main idea is that you were born into a sinful world. We're on number two of letter B. You were born into a, sin, a world of sin and became sinners by default, right? You were born into the devil's playground. You act like the devil. That's just how it works by default, right? And then we can't go to heaven looking like an evil and sinful world. If we, if we start looking like the devil and acting like the devil, you know, disobeying our parents or sinning or, or lying, then we can't go to heaven with that evilness about to us, right? We can't go to heaven like that. Being born again enables you to have a spirit given from God that will not perish. 
So before you, you want to tell people before you're born again, you don't have an eternal spirit. You have a very limited spirit. It's called just your earthly spirit. You know, and one day you will die and that spirit cannot live on. But when you accept Jesus, when you say, Lord, I want to receive you in my heart, you're saying, I want to invite the living, eternal God spirit into my heart. Plant that eternal seed so that I can go to heaven, essentially, right? So that's why it's so important that we need to be born again because we're initially born into a sinful world. Hence, we become sinful. We can't go to heaven as sinful people. That's like against God. Uh, point number two. On, a, on the card and on the paper. How can I be born again? So, of course, if most people you talk today aren't really going to, um, they're not going to know what it means or e never even heard of the term born again. You're going to be like, have you heard what it means to be born again? They're like, yeah, reincarnation. Like, no, it's not reincarnation. Um, you're going to tell them it's, it's a spiritual life from God, the f like the first point. So as they're curious, you want to answer, well, how can I be born again? Well, this is how you can be born again. You got to believe in Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. You got to believe in Jesus' death where you can receive your life. This is the eternal life, right? You got to believe that when Jesus died, that's where you receive life. You got to let them know this because it's, it's not going to make sense to your average um, Catholic, which is going to be a very heavily populated um, religion, you would say there. There's going to be a lot of Catholics. They're going to be like, oh, I go to Father Tom. Or I, go to, I, go, I say my sins. I pray every night. But yeah, are you born again, though? You know, you definitely want to always bring it back to are you born again? There's going to be signs asking, have you been born again? The topic today is have you received a new spiritual life from God, right? You also have to believe that in Jesus' burial is where you leave your sinful life behind. This is where you um, talk about denying yourself. And you could leave a tab at Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus explains you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. This is giving the idea that people need to leave their self behind, their sinful self behind, right, and start pursuing Jesus because they can't pursue Jesus while they're holding on to their old self because that's the sinful part, right? That's where we're born into this world of sin. So they need to get rid of that. They need to get rid of everything. Believe in that in Jesus' resurrection is where you receive a new spiritual birth by the Holy Spirit. And you can put a tab in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it talks about the new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation is here, the old has gone. So this is giving them the idea that they can literally walk away from Humble Park today a new being. Literally, you have something different on the inside of you. You have the living God's seed in you, and you will be forever different. That's how most of our lives changed, right? Because we received something that we never had before, a joy and a peace that comes in uh, infinite amount, right? Okay, third point on the card. Number three, three, third red line. What is proof that I have been born again? Well, for one, you no longer continue in sin. You definitely, this is important because you want to leave people knowing that there is hope, that they don't just receive Jesus today and they continue to live in sin tomorrow. You tell them you don't have to live in sin. Don't start telling them, like, don't, don't keep living in sin. You could say you don't have to live in sin because sin brings death, right? The wages of sin is death. You could tell people today is your day of transformation. You could be different from now on. You don't have to go on sinning. You don't have to keep following the devil and, his, and the, the evilness of the world because they already know that our world is messed up. Everybody can see it. You tell them the reason why the world is messed up is because of the devil, and you don't have to keep doing that stuff, right? You'll begin to notice a change of behavior and desires because the Holy Spirit lives in you. This is that seed we were talking about. You will have the Holy Spirit living in you and directing your steps toward righteousness. And you will not want to break the commands of God. 
And this is revolutionary because once someone doesn't want to break the commands of God, then they're not going to. It's not like I must be this way, robot Christian. No, you're gonna, the, the born-again believer would not want to break the commands of God. It's just natural. It comes natural. When I started to follow Jesus, I didn't start saying, okay, what can I do? What can't I do? No. I love Jesus with all my heart. I was truly born again. There was an eternal seed in me. The Holy Spirit lived in me, and I did not want to sin against God. That's just, it comes natural. So tell people, just love Jesus, Jesus with all your heart, and you will not break the commands of God. In fact, this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Um, yeah, so on the very bottom of the card, it has a contact information in that gray box you guys see on the very bottom. If you would like to be born again or have someone pray with you, call this number. This is Pastor Berto's number, just so you guys know. Don't tell them it's your number. Um, just direct them, like, if they have any questions about the church or, or want prayer, tell them about that number so they can call, so they know uh, about a contact they have, not just the church address and the website, but they also have the, pas the pastor's number. So there is no excuse for them not to get connected, right? We want to leave them with every opportunity to get connected. All right, so the... Point number two, evangelism strategies. Um, these are some I came up with on my own just from my own experience on the streets. Uh, one is, letter A, come up with an opener, approaching a stranger. So this is where you're going to have to get comfortable. How do I approach people with something they don't want to hear? Well, you never know if they want to hear it or not. But it's good to have an opener, something that you constantly say or something to break the ice, whether it's, you know, I have a couple of examples here, but you can be creative, create your own. I know when I first started evangelizing on the corner of, uh, in Wicker Park, on the corners of Damon and Milwaukee and North Avenue, I would just be like, hey, have you been born twice? They're like, what the heck? Like, I'm <laughs> born twice, you know, and it would catch some people's attention. I don't do that anymore because it kind of sounds weird. Um, but here's a couple. Hello, can I ask you a question? You know, like, sure, ask me anything. Or, hey, got a moment to talk about Jesus. Some people just like to go straight to the point. You know, my first year uh, evangelizing, I was partnered with Pastor Nancy, and she loved that one, just straight to the point. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> it was better than, hey, have you been born twice, right? And the third one we have here is, hey, would you like some free food? You know, it's, it's cool. You can use anything you want um, from the from the music to the free food, the children's tent. Be like, hey, man, you, you got some children. They ha we have a children's tent you can attend. But have like an icebreaker so that you can start to witness to people so that you can be more comfortable. Like, hey, what's up, dude? My name is Rudy. What's your name? Whatever you want to use. Be creative. So start thinking about that before we head out to the streets. Um, letter B, I want to talk about praying while witnessing. So while we're engaged in conversation, we want to go over a couple of things that you can be doing or some stuff to keep in mind as you're engaged in conversation with someone. Uh, first one, if your partner is witnessing, seek the Lord for words of wisdom or words of knowledge or anything of that matter, you know? So let's say my partner is somebody over here, you know, Chris Pittman. As he's witnessing, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about, you know, you need to get right with the Lord or be born again. That time, you know, you can stay quiet and be like, you can just start praying or seeking God. Like, Lord, what, what do you have me to say for this person? The key is to always be connected with God, you know, to always be in that, like, that channel of the, of the spirit, right? Be like tuning in, like, God, what do you want me to say? And as soon as you have that or you have something to say, you can um, tap on their shoulder or something. Um, another thing uh, is if your team is um, praying, if you, yeah, if you're praying for an individual, at the end, let's say you guys say the sinner's prayer, you know, if, if you guys start to pray for someone, like, hey, bro, can we pray for you? Yeah, you can pray for me. So as you guys are praying for them, at least one person in your team, because you guys are going to be grouped up with either two or three or four, 
at least one person, have a designated person to keep their eyes open. The rest could be engaged in prayer, but someone to keep their eyes open for the purpose of making sure that everything is okay around them so nobody's trying to pour water on you or whatever crazy stuff people do in Humble Park. Just to be safe, you know, use wisdom. You know, if I'm definitely you guys can pray with your eyes open, you know, just don't be too distracted, right? Um, Letter C, always, always, always give an opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is in Romans 10, 13. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the individual knows how to pray, allow them themselves to call on the name of Jesus. It's really cool. Just ask them, hey, have you ever prayed before? Like, yeah, a little bit. Just uh, walk them through to what they have to ask the Lord. They need to ask the Lord, um, following here, their belief in Jesus. And this could be for you, too. So if you're going to pray for somebody or if someone knows how to pray, these are the five things you should probably include in that prayer, right? A prayer of repentance, of giving their life to Jesus. The first one, uh, confess their belief in Jesus. This is that calling on the name of Jesus so they can be saved, right? Number two, they have to admit they're a sinner. They have to admit that they have sin that they need to be dealt with. Um, Number three, they need to have forgiveness of that sin and invite the Holy Spirit into their lives. And the last one, ask God to change their life. So those are the five components. Just to remember that if you guys could study this a little bit so that you know how to effectively pray for somebody on the street so that they can receive salvation so that they know exactly what they're doing. You, we don't want to trick them into something, you know, like trick them into a prayer. But no, let them make sure, like, you want to do this. You want to give up your life here to receive the life Jesus has. You want to carry your cross. You want to deny yourself. Make sure they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, letter D. Contact information, uh, Facebook, phone number, phone number, name, anything you want to get from this person so you can keep in contact. They have the card. You have their contact information. It's nearly impossible for them not to be connected if they truly received their new life from God, right? If they truly gave their life to Jesus, there's no way, there's no excuse that they will not be connected, right? We have their information. They have our information. It's a great way to be connected. A couple of practical things while you're witnessing Tag team with your partner. Know how to communicate with your partner while you're witnessing, like tapping of the elbow or eye contact or waiting for a break so that you can speak or knowing how to witness with your partner, knowing what their strength is. Like if your partner's strength is to approach people, you want to be like, hey, let me approach people because I'm not that strong, right? So if you need help, if you need, uh, if you need more experience approaching people or breaking the ice, be like, hey, can I try? You know, just be like, hey, can I try? Learn how to tag team with your partner. Know what works best for you guys so that you guys are unison working together. Amen? Um, we're going to have life books for you guys. Who knows what a life book is? All right. Can some, does anyone have a life book so we can hold it up so we know what it looks like? No? All right. Well, it's a, it's a square white book. It's not a rectangle. It's a square, and it says life book on it. They're going to be on this table outside in Humboldt Park as well. You're going to see it. You cannot miss this table. It's going to have all the flyers, all the life books. And the life book, so you guys know what you're handing out, is the book of John, the gospel of John from the Bible. And what I like to tell people is that the book of John helps you know who Jesus is, what Jesus did for you, and what Jesus has for you. You know, it lets them know, what is this, who is this Jesus I serve? Tell them to read it and learn. Um, while witnessing, you want to always mention, hey, we got free food. We have a children's tent for anyone who has kids so that they can be... They can receive and be served, and we can serve them multiple ways by preaching the gospel, all that good stuff. And uh, just another encouragement, if you're new to evangelism, observe your more experienced partner. How do, they, how do they approach people, or how do they witness, or if they use a card, or if they more wing it, see, well, how can I 
how can you gain something from your partner? Really, it, it's, it's a help. That's why we're in this together, right? We're going out as a church so we can learn from each other, pray for each other, and be equipped with each other, putting on the armor of God with each other. Crazy. Number three, the power-up. How many know what the power-up is? Raise your hand if you know what it is. Great. So we need to definitely touch on this, right? So we're going to get to the park about 12. We're going to have five of these power-ups. And what the power-ups are are a time where everybody that's witnessing comes to the same corner on Northern California. And we have a worship time, a skit performance, a, a testimony time, and we get to witness to the spectators. So it's kind of like we have a 15-minute church service kind of thing, you know. We have... Uh, it's a great time to worship together. Right after that, the skit's going to come on, and the skit is really powerful, guys. It's going to draw a major crowd. It's going to be amazing, man. You guys are going to need some tissue. I'm, I'm not even kidding. It's powerful. Um, then there's going to be a time where someone comes up to give a testimony and preach a message, a quick message of, of the gospel. And then once all this is over, you can grab someone that's spectating or watching nearby, watching their performances, and you could be like, hey, man, what'd you think about that? Or, hey, man, did, did, did you get touched? Or, or whatever, whatever you want to bring to people, draw them in, get their attention, and preach the gospel to them so they can give their life to Jesus. And then after this, you may go back to your original post because you will have posts out there. You will have places where you're designated to, to witness around just so we can strategically place people so that everybody walking by could hear the message of Christ. Amen. That concludes my part. We're going to call my brother Stephen up. He's going to give us some, some safety protocols and procedures so that we're safe there on the streets. Just a little bit of wisdom for us, right? Amen. All right, man. Give it up for Rudy. Awesome brother of God, man. Um, just going to take number five minutes just real fast to give you guys a heads up. I know how many, how many spiritual people we have in the house. Right? Come on, somebody, right? Nothing wrong with being spiritual, right? Praise God. But there is something wrong with being too spiritual that you end up, you know, hitting your head, like literally, right? So while we're out here on these streets, especially in Humble Park, out of all places, right, we know that Chicago is known for gangs, right? Gangs, drugs, violence. Yes, God is greater than all that, right? But that doesn't mean that because we're spiritual, we're going to go out and stop a bullet in midair and be like, stop yourself, ooh, and then take one. It's not going to happen, guys. I'm sorry. God is able to do it because he's able to do everything, right? But in that manner, what, what we're talking about today is we want to be careful out there on these streets, right? You know, Chirac, as far as uh, this summer, has been really, really crazy. So we don't want to go over there and be like super Christians and jumping into gang members' cars, right, while they're doing drive-bys and thinking that we're going to save them in the midst of these type of things, right? So what I want to share with you guys just real fast is to be cautious of your surroundings, right? When you see something suspicious, that don't mean you just run over there and want to start playing hands on people, right? Let the police do their job. And that is, that's what we're out there to do. We are not police officers, right? We may have some inside our, inside our sanctuary. Praise the Lord for them, right? If you know who they are, go to them, you know, low-key or whatever you want to do, right? But there's going to be officers on the corner. Let the officers do the job, right? They don't have all these eyes. So what we can do is if you see something suspicious as far as gang members in the car and they look like they're messing with some other people who are close to us, Definitely let the officers know, look, this car is right here is doing gang signs to these people over here. We just want to give it a heads up. They may start shooting, right? There's a lot of rumors going around about some negative stuff. We're not going to talk about that because I believe God is greater. And uh, we don't, you know, God's word is not dictated by what the world and the devil says he's going to do. 
right? To hell with him and his minions, okay? But the thing is, when you see, if you see a fight breaking out or about to break out, that don't mean you start running over like, yes, I got this, Jesus is Lord, and then bam, and you're getting all beat up, and you wonder why you got beat up, and now you want to leave the park, right? So let the police officers do what they're trained to do and what they're called to do on these corners. That is all I'm saying, all right? God bless you guys. Let's do this for Jesus, amen? Praise God. All right, so you guys have your papers. Study them on your way to the park. We're going to hand it over to, I believe, Pastor Berto and Griselda to do some rides. Oh, my bad. Pastor Joe Rostick, not the Goveas. Wonderful job. Nancy, I'm going to ask that you would come forward with our two girls. Guys, I'm so impressed that you guys are here. I believe we're going to set another record today for attendance for this outreach. I want to tell you, there are a lot of churches, and this is not to put down if you're a guest from another church. Please hear my heart on this. There's a lot of churches that do churchy things. This is not a churchy thing. You are going out into the midst of the real battlefield right now. We are not going out just to promote our church. We are not going out just to hand out flyers. If they're from another church, you can tell them about your church. That's fine. What we are doing is going to preach the gospel. I want you to understand what this means in Chicago right now. We are the largest foot soldier movement in the entire city of Chicago. I don't know how you want to take that. We either can weep and say, God, have mercy. We can go and pride and get rebuked and have nothing in heaven but only our earthly reward. Or we can inspire others. I want you guys to have the biggest smile on your face. And I want you to be preaching the gospel. The flyer is secondary. The born-again message is the primary message. That Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. is secondary to us. And I want to teach you how I have learned. Here is how I learned. My dad took me out doing evangelism through feeding the poor at the church I was a part of, and it never left me. And now my daughters are going with us for their first outreach. The first outreach. They will hear Daddy preach the gospel. They may hear somebody cuss out daddy. They may hear somebody yell and say they don't believe in Jesus. But they will learn that our Jesus went on the streets. Our Jesus preached the gospel from corner to corner, from highway to byway. In this church, we have some of the greatest preachers. Now, that's a whole other thing. There's great preachers in this city, and we fall not short of them. But listen to me. My greatest boast in the Lord is not my speaking ability tomorrow. And this place will be packed tomorrow. Baptisms, families, it will be overflowed probably in both services. It's going to be a huge turnout, maybe 300 people. That's big for us, right? But it has nothing to do with where I boast in the Lord. Where I boast in the Lord is where my wife and I met, street evangelizing on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And we have been preaching the gospel ever since then. And you know what tomorrow is for us? Our 11th year anniversary. Our 11th year of gospel preaching. And I want to tell you guys this from the bottom of my heart. That is a key component of the success of our marriage. I see pastors deal with depression. I see pastors deal with sexual immorality. But there is a principle in obeying Jesus and having emotional stability. 
When you give and you serve, you are refreshed. And the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. And when you refresh others, you will be refreshed. And so I want to tell you today, you may not feel it immediately. You may not see the results. I saw two young men dramatically give their hearts to Jesus yesterday. And I have witnessed for months and seen no one give their heart to Jesus. Like Jared said, he came to Belmont and Clark with us. I purposely picked, when we started in this city, one of the hardest grounds to start to plow. My wife will tell you, when I started pastoring in her church, the first place we did our outreach was in what neighborhood? Belmont and Clark. No, Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green was the first place we went as a youth group. I said, we'll take our youth group to the toughest part of this city I've ever heard of as an outsider, Cabrini Green. And by doing that, I was saying, devil... Show me your worst because where sin abounds, grace does abound. And then after that, I said, show me your worst. Belmont and Clark, where sin abounds, grace abounds. Amen. And I will tell you this as the gringo Latino. There has only been one kind of person that has told me not to go to Humble Park starting 11 years ago. This is our 11th outreach. We did it before we got married. Listen to me. There was only one kind of person a Puerto Rican Christian. They have been the only people to tell me not to go out there. Puerto Rican pastors, Puerto Rican Christians. I remember in my church, I said, we're going to go. They said, Pastor, you don't know. My people are crazy, man. They are crazy. And I said, listen, that is a shame. That is a shame that you will not reach them with the gospel. And people have said, well, I'm afraid to bring my kids out there. I understand that's between you and your conscience and God that created you. But listen to me. Do you want to bring your kids to Disney World? Oh, yes, I'll bring them to Disney World. We just had a child eaten by an alligator in Disney World. Your children are no safer than in the will of God. And if today, after we have already prayed, if anything were to happen to my children, I will have no regrets. Because I heard from God, this is where we go. And if he has put in their calendar, they die from a stray bullet, then today's the day they meet Jesus, and I go on with an example of their life. Because I will not let fear dominate the will of God. We have seen too often, this is a reminder of the persecuted church, we have seen too often of what it costs believers in other countries. And we have hidden behind them and said, we'll let you suffer for the gospel. We'll let you sacrifice your family so that Iran, Tehran, these places, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, so that these places can know Jesus, so that Cairo can know Jesus, but not today. If I were to go and meet Jesus today through a car accident or anything like that, I want to sit around the marriage supper of the Lamb, and after I've heard the story of the persecuted believer in China, the persecuted believer in India, the persecuted believer of Central America and the drug lords, I want to be able to say to them, I did not shy back from preaching the gospel in my nation. I went to where sin abound, and by the power he gave me, I preached and taught and made disciples. Amen? And that is why you are here today. As tears are coming down our sister's face right now, others are being touched in this room right now. This is a prophetic message. You are here today because God sent you a missionary from the cornfields of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And now he is saying to you, will you be a missionary to your people? Will you reach out? Will you tell the devil enough is enough? 
I will tell you this. We have seen churches come and go. We have seen politicians come and go. But it is the church of Jesus Christ and his foot soldiers, the disciples, that will remain. And they are the only hope for this nation. Your boots on the ground, your gospel testimony is the only hope for a broken city. That's what we need today. Amen. And so I will rush to the battlefield with you. And if darkness comes, you listen to me. And if wickedness comes and you feel the fear of the devil, the terror of his arrows, you look around you to your brothers and sisters. Their swords are drawn. Their shields are raised. They will keep fighting with you. You stand your ground because Jesus said that he will build this house and the gates of hell will not prevail. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to me from every race, from every tongue, and every tribe. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's not just words for me. It's my life. And it's our family. Are you guys? <laughs> They're, oh, my goodness. They're half scared and half excited. Now, here, this is the difference in my family because there are some radicals like us, but they exasperate their church and they exasperate their children. We are not those kind of radicals. Generally, those are very judgmental street preachers. There are some. But they wanted to come. I didn't want them to come this year. I didn't think they were ready. This is my battle as a father. And my wife sent me a picture, was it two days ago? Thursday night. Thursday night of both of them smiling, doing the please face. Can you guys do the please face? Please. <laughs> and they wanted to go. And I felt in my heart, that's when I had to hear from God. Every parent has to hear from God, right? You hear from God because if something happens out there, don't you tell me it's my fault. God told you to come. And I would rather my children have a short life and be full of God's grace than to have a long life and go to hell. There will be no regrets in heaven. Are you listening to me? We preach and teach because he said, now I believe we're going to come back home safely. I wouldn't go unless it was, uh, I wouldn't have us rush into this unless I knew there was safety. But I still want to hear from God. Amen. And so they wanted to come. That was up to you. Do you guys still want to come? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Now let's make sure you got down our most famous scripture right here so you guys can tell the world. How do we say John 3.16? And my wife will tell you, I'll give her 30 seconds, why did you go to Mardi Gras? Why did you like me even though you saw me street preaching? And why have you and I done this together after all these years? Well, after I rededicated my life to the Lord, that was the first mission trip that was available to me at my church. And so I said, I want to go. And it was the most awesome thing I had ever experienced. It radically changed the way that I lived for God and my, and my walk with him. And the way you witnessed, I was his partner in my third year of Mardi Gras. And it just was amazing to me because it just showed, like, this is it. This is the answer for the world, and everybody has to hear it. We can't back down. So I just gave it a mile. And I just want us to think about this one last time. If the king of heaven and earth who designed everything we know, all technology, all wisdom comes from him, chose the method to preach his kingdom through street evangelism and discipleship, how dare we neglect it now? 
Our king stepped out of heaven to be with us. Our king got his sandals dirty on the streets of the cities he went to. Our king was yelled at, mocked, and threatened. Our king was ridiculed. And yet he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And then he taught us that no one is above their master. So today, if they shame you, it's because of him. If they rejoice with you, and there's many Christians out there, right? A lot of Boricuas are Christians, praise God. There'll be a lot of Christians. They're going to be so happy you're out there. They're going to say, thank you for coming, thank you. It is, you'll be surprised. I've, I've been out there 11 years, and all the gangs have done their stuff, but I'm so surprised at all the people who really are impressed about why, what God is doing out there, and that's where we're just going to encourage them. Amen. Join with us. Start preaching with us or come with us next year. We have 10 opportunities a week to evangelize with, the, with us. Have them go to chicagoforjesus.net. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Eddie Berto and Griselda Goivea. You guys are the best. Oh, look at that. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. So we're going to keep it.